7 o'clock on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast. It's 3 p.m. in London, in Kyoto, Japan. It's 11 o'clock at night. And in Malaysia, it's 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> and right off the bat, before we even go live, Luna Amethyst has engaged me in this gender bender cliff thing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she said uh, she's thinking about cosplaying uh, Cliff. And why not? Yeah, do it. Some gender bender version. It'd be fun, I'm sure. Um, all right. Yeah. Space out on the cosplays for a while. <laughs> Zook is also an option. There you go. All right. Yeah, we've got our Stream Beats music playing in the background. We'll fade that out in a little bit, but I love these new tracks. They're fantastic. Uh, big thanks and a tip of the hat to Harris Heller and the gang at um, Alpha Gaming and StreamBeats.com. Free music, uh, copyright-free, strike-free. You can use it across all the platforms. And uh, if you're a streamer, there's all kinds of formats, very cool stuff, including the tracks you're listening to right now. You don't have to work until Friday. Whoa. We actually, the company that I work with, uh, switched. Tomorrow is a public holiday here in Malaysia. But because we love our three-day weekends, we switched for today. So I'm actually working tomorrow. But today was kind of a relaxed day off for me. So, yeah, not too bad. It was all right. It was okay. All right. Stream Beats, thank you very much for the... Uh, for the tunes, appreciate it. And um, yeah, we got a lot going on tonight. We have a lot going on tonight, including, as I just mentioned, tomorrow is a public holiday. It is the Malaysian version of Independence Day. It is Merdeka. Um, we'll tell you about that. If you're listening in to other, from other parts of the world, you may not know what that is here in Malaysia, so I will explain it. And if you are listening in Malaysia, I've got some interesting facts about the flag that you may or may not know, so we will uh, we'll have that for you uh, coming up. Uh, basically, have no need for excessive makeup for Cliff, since you're already his... Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> My, You know, I'll tell you what, the character of Cliff in No Straight Roads, if you don't know, is one I voiced the character. I was the voice artist for the character of Cliff in the hugely successful No Straight Roads uh, game. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm enjoying all the fan art and stuff that, that goes on with that uh, amazing game. And um, funny because Cliff has red hair, the character of Cliff in the game. And while you can't tell now, when I was a kid, I had, I was a carrot top. I had carrot red hair. And there's a few pictures out there to prove it. I'll see if I can find some. But yeah, growing up, as I got older, my hair went to kind of a reddish auburn to brown. Now it's got a bunch of white and gray mixed in with it. But um, 
Yeah, I uh, I was actually almost the color of Cliff's hair in No Straight Road. <laughs> so, oh, man, that was fun. All right, it's time. Miko Update. Miko Update. Yeah. Um, Miko's doing great. She had a great walk tonight. Yesterday, we went back to the dog park, and she had a fantastic time. Uh, there were so many Shebas there. She saw all her cousins. And uh, Miko, Luna says she loves you. Miko's sleeping on her back in the aircon as usual right now. Miko, Luna says hello and sends you a kiss. All right, where's, where's, here we go. No, not that one. How about, there, that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's doing very well. And uh, as a matter of fact, I tried to show you these last time. Hey, Jaden, welcome in. <laughs> I love that we have these Miko moments now. Well, if she weren't so lazy, I would call her in here. But she's laying over on her back with her feet in the air, uh, enjoying her uh, her moment. So <laughs> she's she's got the air con, so she's all good. Yeah, but this, um, there she is. That's the shot I was trying to show you on Saturday night. This is her in the middle of our stairway. I have the coolest artwork in the stairway here. It's it's leaning against the wall because I, I don't want to hang it. It looks nice on the floor anyway. But it's, it's I forget who the artist is, but it's spring, summer, winter, fall. Uh, spring, summer, fall, winter, actually. And uh, it's, it's really cool. I love this art. I got it many years ago. I've had it with me uh, for a long, long time. And there, of course, is the little lady and in all of her glory at the top of the stairs. And let's see. Boom. There she is. There's another shot from the doorway. Uh, all of my Japanese antique and uh, memorabilia collection is in the background. But there she is. That's her usual position during the day. We leave the door open so she can go in and out at will and um yeah she's uh <laughs> she's precious and we love her to death and i thought maybe i could get her in on the show tonight but i uh she's too comfortable at the moment so there you go <laughs> she's doing very well though and i send her all of your best wishes and i'm sure that she appreciates that hey um there was a lot of sad news this week and there continues to be a lot of sad news uh, from all parts of the globe. But uh, we lost a brilliant actor, an incredible talent, and uh, you've likely heard this by now. Uh, but uh, Ed Asner uh, passed away, and um, he was just an incredible guy. Um, the uh, Facebook page called Geeks in Malaysia. Thank you, Geeks in Malaysia, for this. Um, they posted this tribute. It says, for many, he was the iconic voice of Carl from Up, brilliant animated film, or Santa from Eld. But for us, he will, oh, and for me too, very much true. He will always be Lou from the Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, which likely a great chunk of my audience is far too young to remember but um, legendary actor Ed Asner passed away peacefully Sunday morning surrounded by his family he was 91 years old thank you for your gift your character and your talent you will be incredibly missed and uh, yeah that's uh, 
That's very true. And thank you, Geeks in Malaysia, for, uh, for this wonderful tribute. There were tributes all over the internet, and uh, Ed Asner really is uh, an amazing guy, an amazing talent, and we will, uh, we will miss him greatly. All right. Uh, you know, that's a good question, Jaden. I don't know. Let me see. Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, whoops. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore. Um, no, she passed away in 2017 on January 25th in Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, my home state of Connecticut. Uh, she was born in New York City in 1936. She passed away and is buried in Fairfield, Connecticut at the Oaklawn Cemetery. Wow, I did not realize that. Yeah, Mary Tyler Moore passed away in, in 2017. My goodness. Wow. All right. Anyway, yeah, um, moving on. Tomorrow is Merdeka here in Malaysia, and we are all very proud of, uh, of our independence here. Uh, no, I was not born here. No, I am not a citizen of Malaysia. I adopted this wonderful, amazing country as my own about uh, almost 20. In fact, it'll be 20 years uh, next year. And uh, with the good graces of the Immigration Department and the good folks of Malaysia, hopefully I'll get to stay and celebrate my 20 years. And um, tomorrow is the day we celebrate our independence from British rule here in Malaysia. There is a lot of squabbling, sadly, that goes on between should we celebrate the day that uh, Malaysia Day, which is the day when Sabah and Sarawak joined the Union, uh, something like that, uh, or whether or not the day of our independence, which to me is like the 4th of July in the U.S. It's, you know, Independence Day. Um, we don't really celebrate the extra day when Hawaii became the 50th state or whatever. Not that we shouldn't, but um, anyway, uh, tomorrow's the big one for me, and that is uh, uh, Merdeka. And in fact, my Malaysian flag has been flying out in front of my house for the past few weeks, so mm, don't need an excuse to fly the flag as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, but uh, we do, and we especially make sure it gets out there for Merdeka Month. Well, I found this article. Again, it's World of Buzz, and we really thank the folks at World of Buzz. They do some, you know, they do some, frankly, some junk. Okay, sorry, World of Buzz, but some of your stuff is a little whatever. But they also do some really, really cool stuff. And I found this and wanted to share it with you, if you did not know. And I will guess a lot of my Malaysian audience doesn't know these little weird facts. Our flag, which is called Jalur Gumilang, was actually designed by an architect. Yeah. Um, okay. You can see here the, uh, the picture. And as a matter of fact, hang on, because I set this up just for tonight. There you go. All right. So we'll put that up on the, uh, there we go, our, uh, our Malaysian flag, Jalur Gumilang. And uh, all right, let's go back over here. Uh, things you probably never knew. Uh, we all know the basics of our Jalogamilang, like how it has 14 alternating red and white stripes, a blue canton at the top left corner, as well as a crescent and a 14-point star on the top of it, which stands for the 14 states of Malaysia. Uh, that's basic general knowledge. Everybody knows that. 
but the history behind our beloved Malaysian flag, how it was birthed, who designed it, and so forth, a lot of people don't know that. The designer, uh, the design rather, of the Malaysian flag was birthed from a, a flag design competition. Federation to have its own flag. Now, this is really light. It's very difficult to read. If you're listening to the podcast, I'll just encourage you to go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants and check out the video version of our show. But they held a contest, and uh, we thought we had our own renowned designer for our beloved uh, Jalur Gemilang. Nope. The designer was, in fact, birthed from a nationwide competition, which was organized by the Federation Legislation Council in 1949. Um, the flag designs, there were 373 designs submitted by everyday Malaysians, people like you and me. Um, the final choice Monday from the, what, the, our staff correspondent, this is a newspaper article, and uh, submissions were sent to the clerk of the council, uh, council chambers in Kuala Lumpur via snail mail, which is about all they had back then. And they took part in the design competition, but they had to adhere to some rules. The flag must be simple. It should keep to the colors of re yellow, red, white, and blue. The general design should be symbolic of the Federation and the unity of the nine states and two settlements. And uh, the design must also include a chris cross chrises, a tiger, or a crescent. Now, out of the 373 designs, only three were shortlisted, and this is them. Check this out. There are the three designs that were shortlisted. Neither one of any of them look anything... Well, the middle one is kind of like the current Malaysian flag, I suppose. These were the top three that were uh, shortlisted. And the winning flag, this one here, designed by a government architect, believe it or not. Yep, an architect. He wasn't a designer. He was an architect, and his name was Mohammed bin Hamza. He submitted four designs, actually, and only one made it to the top three selected. The flag with the blue and white stripes was Hamza's winning design. And the official flag, which eventually consisted of 11 red and white stripes and an 11-point star, not 14. There is the initial flag. And some minor changes. The flag was birthed 11 stripes, 6 red, 5 white, and an 11-pointed star, which represented the unity between the 11 federated states, which were Perak, Selangor, Malacca, Johor, Pahang, Negri Zembilan, Perlis, Kedah, uh, Kelantan, Tringanu, and Pulau Penang. On April 19, 1950, the new Malaysian flag was officially raised. However, the formation of Malaysia in 1963, the flag was then amended and uh, gained its 14 stripes and 14 point star instead of uh, 11 when they included Sabah and Sarawak as state members. The national flag raised for the first time, May 26, 1950. 
And here's another one. I did not know this. The name of the Malaysian flag was birthed from yet another competition. It wasn't called Jalur Gemilang back then. It didn't have a name. It was just the flag. But um, the proposal to come up with an official name for the flag came from uh, YB Dato Hashim bin Mat Deris. He believed the Malaysian flag should have been given a proper name, like the flag of the U.S., Old Glory, or the Star-Spangled Banner. Uh, it's actually called Old Glory, not the Star-Spangled Banner. That's the national anthem. Un Union Jack in the U.K., uh, the tricolor in France, recognized worldwide, of course. So then uh, Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir uh, Mohammed agreed, and on, in 1995, as recently as that, they had a competition to find the best name for the flag. And there was a criteria, in, it must be in Bahasa Malaysia, uh, must be emotive, uh, should trigger patriotism, loyalty to the king and country, adopted from the old transcript, the Malay annals, chosen from classic prose to represent loyalty and warrior, easy to enunciate, simple words from the Malaysian language, interesting sound and easy to explain. So finally, after 40 years, they've named the Jalur Gemilang, Glorious Stripes. It stands for the embodiment of Malaysia, or Malaysians. Uh, Chris, hey, welcome to the stream. Thanks for popping in. It says, Weird they didn't mention that On Jafar was the one that recommended the blue and red of Muhammad bin Hamza's original design be swapped. Yeah, you're right. That is not in this article from World of Buzz, but thank you for adding that. I did not know that, but thank you. I wondered why they went from the blue and white to the red and white. So, very cool. Um, which also, by the way, makes it look incredibly like the U.S. flag. So, anyway, so that's where the official name, and it was in... Uh, 1997, the naming ceremonies. I, all of this happened so recently. It's so strange. Um, again, then Prime Minister uh, Mahathir at Merdeka Square had the official naming ceremony for, uh, for this little lady. There you go. The Jalur Gemilang, Glorious Stripes. Very cool. Very, very cool. That's where your flag came from. And tomorrow, of course, is the day. And to celebrate that, I just wanted to play a little bit of this. And let me punch this up. And let me pop, pop over here, here so I don't want... Yeah, see, I've been duddled. All right, here we go. This is from YY. Kami akan sentiasa mengingatnya dengan kesyukuran kata Perdana Menteri dalam ucapannya bantuan yang telah kami terima dari Great Britain dalam perjalanan menuju kemerdekaan Dengan nama Allah 
In the name of Allah, most merciful, we hope and pray that Malaysia stays independent and sovereign in peace with harmony among all races. Dan yang berdolat serta berdasarkan kepada kebebasan dan keadilan dan mengekalkan keamanan di antara segala dalam bangsa. Kuala Lumpur, 31 hari bulan Augusta, 57. Merdeka! 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 J voice which is more than enough very cool all right so there you go that is the story behind both Merdeka and uh, our Malaysian flag forever may it wave we're very proud of that nice okay what else have we got uh, we've got uh, yeah we're gonna switch from the proud to the not so proud I'm afraid um, we wanted to take a moment I can't do moments of silence here because doesn't make a lot of sense on a live stream and then for our podcast later. But um, I just wanted to take a moment to, uh, to honor the 13 fallen American heroes that we lost uh, recently in Afghanistan. It was uh, an unbelievable tragedy. And uh, there's enough blame to be thrown around. I'm not going to get into that part of it. I think it's pretty obvious where that lies, but um, I remember listening to this song when I was a kid. My father was a big country music fan. Consequently, I became a big country music fan. I mean, I'm a fan of all kinds of music, but uh, country still holds a place in my heart, and you don't get a whole lot more country than Mr. Johnny Cash. And he did a song that was more of a dissertation, I can't play it here because of copyright issues, but I can read the words. And because, um, because I think maybe uh, Americans need to be reminded, sadly. And I thought I would share Johnny Cash's ragged old flag with you tonight. I walked through a country courthouse square on a bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, nah, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a bit. That's a ragged old flag you've got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night Francis Scott Key sat watching it in writing, say, can you see? 
And then it got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell to the Alamo besides the Texas flag, but she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorville, and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II, she hung limp and low, time or two. She was in Korea and Vietnam. She went where she was sent by Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the Brittany foam, and now they've about quit waving her back at home. In her good land, she's here, she's been abused, she's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. She's getting threadbare and wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in, because she's been through the fire before, and I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning. We take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground, and we fold her upright. On second thought, I do like to brag, because I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. By Johnny Cash. Wow. Some potent words there, and I think uh, words we might need to hear a little more often these days. All right. Sorry, I don't mean to get so heavy, but... Uh, my heart goes out to the families of those uh, 13 fallen heroes. Wow. How do we change gears from that? We just do, I guess. My friend David T.C. Lou, <laughs> thank you, David, for, for sharing the weird stuff. And he certainly found a weird one tonight. Do you remember Jim Carrey in The Mask? That was a that was a weird film, but really well done. Really well done. Um, this story broke across the internet today, and I thought I would share it with you because, you know, we like doing the weird stuff here, and this one qualifies. Phantom of the Pyramid. David writes, amazing discovery of a 2,000-year-old green face mask in the Pyramid of the Sun. Look at this thing. If you're listening to the podcast, sorry, go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopans. You can see the picture. Uh, in uh, Teotihuacan, Mexico, they found this mask. Weird. Let me go to the actual link of the story. 2,000-year-old realistic green mask found nestled inside an ancient pyramid. Uh, an incredible archaeological find, rich in pre-Columbian history. But they have discovered 
this. Look at that. There's a probably a better shot of this thing for you. Yeah, Serena, you know, that's exactly what I was going to say. Look, it's 2021. Put it on. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Honestly, it couldn't get any worse, could it? Slap that sucker on. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> and hello, Serena. Welcome. Good to have you along on the stream here. Yeah, I thought exactly that was my first thought. Well, why not? Let's put it on. How bad can it get? <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you, David, for uh, for sharing that. <laughs> oh, man. As if that weren't enough, this also comes from David, and it's exactly the opposite. It's pissed me off. Sorry, but it did. I mean, give me a break, huh? Exactly how unbelievably stupid can you people be? You know what? For some reason, I have lost control over my stream feed. I'm still streaming, and everything else seems to be fine. But for some reason, I can't change cameras or go to my Facebook review. Isn't that weird? Oh, now it's going to just suddenly start working. Unbelievable. Yeah, you posted that yesterday. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I just saw your, your chat here because my, my software was all hung up and I don't know why. That was very strange. Oh, look, there's me feeding myself. <laughs> okay, here we go. David says, uh, says, come on, people. Yeah, exactly right. I'm going to be a little less polite about it. Uh, humans are the worst curse to themselves and nature. We can do better, and we really should do better. Everybody and their brother these days is wearing a mask because you have to wear a mask, and the government says it's a mandate, and mask yes, and mask this. But folks, there are millions, literally millions of these things across the planet. Not only these useless blue masks, but the cloth ones, all kinds, every day, every day I go out with Miko for a walk and there's another, I see two, three, four, five of them on the side of the road, just people just toss them out. Now, okay, some of it maybe went out in the garbage and the garbage trucks are not terribly careful about the way they toss the garbage bags around. But some of this, I'm sure people have either just thrown on the side of the road or tossed them out of the car window, whatever, because people are idiots. And if you do that, you're an idiot. Stop it. You're not... Forget the fact that they're disgusting and you've been breathing and putting boogers in them and God knows what for however long. But remember this. This is a picture of a duck with this thing wrapped around its neck. You're killing birds, turtles, fish, marine life. This, look at this. Here's a guy who's been collecting them, picking them up off the beach. Here's one wrapped around what looks like maybe a seagull's feet. This is just unbelievable. You have to stop being so stupid. Please. Use your head for something other than a hat rack. It's just incredibly stupid. All right. We had a couple more stories here. I can't get to them all because we just got 
too much going on and we spend a lot of time. Uh, I don't like to leave you all on a, um, on a sour note. So I always save one or two amusing things or inspirational things for the end of the stream before we get to our book. And War of the Worlds Chapter 3 is coming up tonight. Uh, but this is a quick one. I love this. Thank you, Dawn, for posting this. If you wait long enough to cook dinner, everyone will eat cereal. <laughs> Follow me for more recipes. <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> it's actually true, you know, if you wait. If you wait long enough to cook dinner, they'll eat cereal. Oh, man. I remember as a kid. All right. <laughs> one last one, and then we'll get to our book. Uh, this posted by uh, my dear friend and babe. I miss you so much. Gwen. Gwen Manikam, you are an amazing woman. And you posted this. It's a public post, so I'm not... I'm not breaking any rules by sharing it out there, but it's, it's very nice. It's very sweet. I love this. Sip your tea nice and slow. No one ever knows when it's time to go. There'll be no time to enjoy the glow. So sip your tea nice and slow. Life's too short, but feels pretty long. There's so much to do, but much going wrong. Most of the time, you struggle to be strong. Before it's too late, and it's time to go sip your tea, nice and slow. Some friends stay, others go away, loved ones are cherished, but not all will stay. Kids grow up and fly away, there's really no saying how things will go. So sip your tea, nice and slow. In the end, it's really all about understanding love. For this world and the stars above, appreciate and value who truly cares. Smile, breathe, and let your worries go. So sip your tea, nice and slow. This poem is beyond all relationships, but made for us all. When I'm dead, your tears will flow, but I won't know cry with me now instead. You will send flowers, but I won't see, so send them now instead. You'll say words of praise, but I won't hear, so praise me now instead. You'll forget my faults, but I won't know, so forget them now instead. You'll miss me then, but I won't feel, so miss me now instead. You'll wish you could have spent more time with me. Spend it now instead. When you hear I'm gone, you'll find your way to my house to pay condolence, but we haven't even spoken in years. Look for me now, instead. Sweet. Thank you, Gwen. That's really nice. I like that. All right, my friends, it is time to move along We've done about 40 minutes here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We've done 40 minutes. All right. We're going to do, uh, as we always do, we read classic books here. Uh, I will remind you that you can find us and support the show on patreon.com slash Uh We've got three different tier levels. 
One is just to support the show. It's cheap. It's three, four, five bucks a month. Uh, the next tier level up will get you access, uh, exclusive access to all of our books, only the books, like little audio books with videos attached of me reading just the chapters of the books, all organized by chapter. It's all up there. I'll give you a special link for our second tier level folks on Patreon. And then our third level, of course, you can see the details on patreon.com slash Sheldon. And uh, we do some voiceover work and stuff like that for you. So that's pretty cool. So anyway, check it out. Patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon if you would like to, uh, to give us some support. We appreciate it. And uh, we've got the big announcement coming up, by the way, on Wednesday's stream. Don't miss that. You're going to love it. We're going to move on to the uh, War of the Worlds. We have just begun this book. We're through a couple of chapters. And we're on chapter three. So I'm going to sip my tea nice and slow. Give me a quick second. Ah, good stuff. <clears throat> little clear of the throat and off we go. It's H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, Chapter 3, on Horsell Common. I found a little crowd of perhaps 20 people surrounding the huge hole in which the cylinder lay. I've already described the appearance of that colossal bulk embedded in the ground. The turf and gravel about it seemed charred, as if by a sudden explosion. No doubt its impact had caused a flash of fire. Henderson and Ogilvy were not there. I think they perceived that nothing was going to be done for the present and had gone away to breakfast at Henderson's house. There were four or five boys sitting on the edge of the pit, with their feet dangling and amusing themselves, until I stopped them by throwing stones at the giant mass. After I'd spoken to them about it, they began playing at touch in and out of the group of bystanders. Among these were a couple of cyclists, a jobbing gardener I employed sometimes, and a girl carrying a baby, Greg the butcher and his little boy, and two or three loafers and golf caddies who were accustomed to hanging about the railway station. There was very little talking. A few of the common people in England had anything but the vaguest astronomical ideas in these days. Most of them were staring quietly at the big table-like end of the cylinder, which was still as Ogilvy and Henderson had left it. I fancy the popular expectation of a heap of charred corpses was disappointing at this inanimate bulk. Some went away while I was there, and other people came. I clambered into the pit and fancied I heard a faint movement under my feet. The top had certainly ceased to rotate. It was only when I got thus close to it that the strangeness of this object was all evident to me. At the first glance, it was really no more exciting than an overturned carriage or a tree blown across the road. Not so much so, indeed. It looked like a rusty gas float. It required a certain amount of scientific education to perceive that the gray scale of the thing was no common oxide, that the yellowish-white metal that gleamed in the crack between the lid and the cylinder had an unfamiliar hue. Extraterrestrial had no meaning 
for most of the onlookers. At that time, it was quite clear in my mind that the thing had come from the planet Mars, but I judged it improbable that it contained any living creature. I thought the unscrewing might be automatic. In spite of Ogilvy, I still believe that there were men in Mars. My mind raced, ran fancifully on the, the possibilities of its containing a manuscript, on the difficulties in translation that might arise, whether we should find coins and models in it and so forth. Yet it was a little too large for assurance on this idea. I felt an impatience to see it opened. About eleven, as nothing seemed happening, I walked back, full of such thought, to my home in Maybury. But I found it difficult to get to work upon my abstract investigations. In the afternoon, the appearance of the common had altered very much. The early editions of the evening papers had startled London with enormous headlines. A message received from Mars. Remarkable story from walking. And so forth. In addition, Ogilvy's wire to the Astronomical Exchange had roused every observatory in the Three Kingdoms. There were half a dozen flies or more from the walking station standing in the road by the sand pits, a basket chaise from Chobham, and a rather lordly carriage. Besides that, there was quite a heap of bicycles. In addition, a large number of people must have walked, in spite of the heat of the day, from walking in Chertsey, so that there was altogether quite a considerable crowd one or two gaily-dressed ladies among the others. It was glaringly hot, not a cloud in the sky nor a breath of wind, and the only shadow was that of the few scattered pine trees. The burning heather had been extinguished, but the level ground towards Ottershaw was blackened as far as one could see and still giving off vertical streamers of smoke. An enterprising sweet-stuff dealer in the Chobham Road had sent up his son with a barrel-load of green apples and ginger beer. Going to the edge of the pit, I found it occupied by a group of about a half-dozen men, Henderson, Ogilvy, and a tall, fair-haired man that I afterwards learned was Stent, the Astronomer Royal, with several workmen wielding spades and pickaxes. Stent was giving directions in a clear, high-pitched voice. He was standing on the cylinder, which was now evidently much cooler. His face was crimson and streaming with perspiration, and something seemed to have irritated him. A large portion of the cylinder had been uncovered, though its lower end was still embedded. And as soon as Ogilvy saw me among the staring crowd on the edge of the pit, he called to me to come down and asked if I would mind going over to see Lord Hilton, the lord of the manor. The growing crowd, he said, was becoming a serious impediment to their excavations, especially the boys. They wanted a light railing put up to help keep the people back. 
He told me that a faint stirring was occasionally still audible within the case, but that the workmen had failed to unscrew the top, as it afforded them no grip. The case appeared to be enormously thick, and it was possible that the faint sounds we heard represented a noisy tumult in the interior. I was very glad to do as asked, and so became one of the privileged spectators within the contemplated enclosure. I failed to find Lord Hilton at his house, but I was told he was expected from London by the six o'clock train from Waterloo. And as it was then about a quarter past five, I went home, had some tea, and walked up to the station to waylay him. And that's the end of chapter three. Still didn't get that cylinder. However, in our next stream on Wednesday night, we'll do chapter four, which is called The Cylinder Opens. <laughs> All right, we'll have that for you coming up on uh, Wednesday's stream. Very cool. Hope you enjoyed that. That's from, of course, the original War of the Worlds. I will uh, see you again on Wednesday night. Thank you so much. Don't forget, uh, if you are so inclined, if you're listening to the podcast, rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. You can watch the video version of our show. We post it up there about an hour or less after we're done with our live streams. And of course, our podcast listeners across Spotify, Amazon, Apple, wherever you watch your, or listen to your podcasts. Uh, thank you for the downloads. Appreciate that. And um, until next time, I will see you Wednesday. Thanks. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night.